whenever there's a crisis, it is an interesting time to see how people stay vigilant and be creative and adapt to situations like these. Hi, I'm Andrew Goldstein, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. So in a typical year, this month would have been an incredibly busy one for the art world as art dealers and collectors transitioned from New York's Armory Week to prepare for what many agree is the most exciting art fair in the world, Art Basel Hong Kong. The sprawling international souk where the East meets the West, the old and the new collide in thrillingly eye-opening ways. This, however, is very far from a typical year. A month and a half ago, I spoke to the veteran Hong Kong art journalist Vivian Chow on the art angle about the political protests sweeping her hometown and whether these destabilizing events would cause the art fair to be canceled. Sure enough, the art fair was canceled, but not because of the protests. Instead, this year's edition was called off because of the outbreak of the novel coronavirus known as COVID-19, the flu-like respiratory disease that emerged in mainland China city of Wuhan and has since spread with horrifying swiftness to over 90,000 people around the world. Since then, Hong Kong has gone from a bustling metropolis to something of a ghost town with empty restaurants, shuttered museums, and of course, deserted art galleries. Hong Kong has not been the hardest hit city when it comes to the virus. So far, it has had 100 confirmed cases and two deaths, which is precisely what you would expect given the 2% fatality rate that experts have indicated for the disease. Compare that to Italy, where there have been over 2,500 cases and around 90 deaths. But Hong Kong has actually been singled out for its excellent response to the disease, with the World Health Organization praising it as, quote, very effective. To talk about how the virus has impacted the art community and what it's like living in these whiplash times, I'm once again joined on the podcast by Vivian Chow. Thank you very much for coming back on The Art Angle, Vivian. Hi, well, thank you for having me. So are you are you kind of nicely situated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm just a little bit worried about the noise level. Um, I'm already in the quietest possible corner um, of, my, of my apartment. But there's, a, there's been this construction site that's been going on like forever. And uh, I hmm. forgot that they start working so early. So I want to just go back in time a little bit to where we were when we last spoke. Protests had crippled the economy. There was a recession that had thrown Hong Kong into a real state of anxiety. And there was this question about whether it could really sustain itself as this global art capital and have this incredible art fair and really be this this beacon for the art community and the art market around the world. Tell me, what has happened since that last conversation? Things have changed so quickly. So mid-January, that was the, around the time the coronavirus began to emerge. Actually, it began to emerge around end of December but we knew about it. It was not widely reported, but then we see messages, you know, coming up online and then people started talking about it. And we are particularly cautious because we lived through SARS in 2003. 
SARS, mm. it's also a、um, disease that's caused by a kind of coronavirus. Well, I'm not medical expert, but it's it has very severe impacts on your respiratory system, basically, and it was horrible back in 2003 because it killed nearly 300 people in Hong Kong. And that was scary. It was one of the worst nightmares Hong Kong has endured. And so when we first heard about the virus coming back in January, we didn't know at the time like what it was. But then people started saying, "Oh, there's a new SARS-like virus," and we're like, "No way! We we don't want to go through that again." But as time went on, and it started to become clear that we might have to deal with SARS two point zero, which turned out to be this novel virus. Since then, it just began to get worse and worse. Every day, we hear new confirmed cases, and public spaces began to shut down. Museums. Libraries, these are like government-run facilities. They all began to shut、mm-hmm. down, basically to minimize opportunities that will allow a big group of people to together. One exception that's the Maritime Museum, that among all the Hong Kong museums has insisted on keeping its doors open and welcoming visitors. Well, the public museums, meaning the government-run run museums, but then there are certain individual spaces that are still. Opening like Maritime Museum is not is not a government museum, so they make their own decisions. Schools have been shut down until April twentieth, which means、wow. the whole semester is gone. Of course, there are people who have children; they've been crying their eyes out on how to like having their children all the day at home,、hmm. and they're not supposed to go out. What does that mean exactly? Are you not? Allowed to go on the streets. What what exactly are the restrictions of the lockdown conditions in Hong Kong? Well, we're not living in a lockdown conditions. We're not like mainland China. I mean, mainland China is a completely different world. Like Wuhan and the entire Hubei province is completely locked down. As in, there are actually guards and police patrolling and making sure that people don't go out in the street. They don't leave the building without permission. They don't allow cars coming in and out. Like no transport. Like completely disconnecting the the province from the entire country. So if you go in and out of the building, you have to make sure that. You get your temperature checked, and the guards know that you live in the building. And if you get goods delivered, then you're not supposed to meet the delivery guy. The delivery guy can only leave the stuff at the door, and you basically just minimize face-to-face、um, interaction. But then that's mainland China. In Hong Kong, we don't have this kind of rules, but people are very cautious. A lot of the times, it's like it's a self-imposed. There are no regulations telling you that you cannot go out in the streets. But then people would minimize social interaction and social distancing. It's been proved to be an effective measure in dealing with the virus. There is no restraint on any kind of personal freedom, but people are just being very cautious. They don't want to go out in the street unless it's necessary. So you you are deeply embedded in the Hong Kong. Art community. What has the effect of the virus been on 
the artists, the dealers, the museum curators. Many people living in Hong Kong, I think they, they have been trying to stay strong and vigilant. But it's, it is particularly devastating for the arts community here, for sure, because of the cancellation of Art Basel. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a big deal for not just Hong Kong, but that's part of the world. Dealers, collectors, uh, artists from... Around the region, I mean, now that the virus is everywhere, <laughs> is hitting other countries and, and regions yeah. in Asia. So people are devastated. And different galleries, for example, they uh, different galleries, they have different measures during these times. I think, first of all, the business has been obviously not going well. And during these times, it's very hard to expect people who would visit galleries. And some galleries, they still open. Some of the shows that opened in late January, um, they have been extended. Some of them has been closed and they only allow people to come in by appointment. There's, there's just nothing, nothing much you can do during these times. But end of March, I think towards the, um, the third and the fourth week of March, which is originally the time scheduled for the Art Basel week, there will still be some events happening, some openings, and Hmm. some galleries are still running new shows. I think on one hand, it's good that some galleries are still trying to put on shows. On the other hand, of course, there's a risk. I mean, as long as you have a big group of people gathering together, because you don't know how um, the virus can be transmitted and Usually, the congregation of a big group of people can be risky. For example, Tina Kang Gallery. Very early on, they already had a very strict measure uh, for visitors. People will only be allowed to come in if they have their masks on and have their temperature checked. So I think that might be weird for people from other parts of the world, but it makes us feel safe. Days before Art Basel Hong Kong, was officially cancelled, there was a lot of anxiety over what was going to happen with the fair. And Western dealers and the galleries in Europe and America and elsewhere around the world were really calling for the fair to be cancelled and do what they said was the responsible thing. Then the dealers in Hong Kong were saying, let's not be so hasty. Let's see how things play out a little bit, because this is of such incredible importance to our business. The practical impact of this fair disappearing in this year's calendar, what what has the impact been on their livelihoods? Mm, A huge loss of opportunity, business opportunity for sure, because it's the biggest fair in this part of the world. So it affects not only um, galleries, Hong Kong or based in Hong Kong, uh, it affects everyone from this part of the world who travels to the fair, who exhibits at the fair. It's a devastating outcome. And so many people come from the region. And I think beyond the business side of things, is also an important opportunity. You see so many things and it was a, a, a very quick and efficient way to learn about what is happening um, in terms of art production from other parts of the world. So it's the best opportunity to learn about what's happening, what other people are doing. And um, not having this opportunity to to explore, showcase and share, it's, it's a huge loss for sure. But you do not want 
people to get infected by attending a public event. So it's sad, but it's inevitable. And besides our Basel, March has been traditionally a huge cultural month for Hong Kong because of the arts festival, the Hong Kong International Film Festival for the film uh, and television industry. And all these things, uh, all these major cultural events, they're all happening in March, and now they're all either cancelled or postponed. Has this disease been playing out in any way that has been visible within the art community in terms of people becoming sick, knowing people who have been sick? I haven't come across anything that's been affecting people in Hong Kong in particular, but it's been affecting mainland China. There was a report of a painter, a Chinese painter. He died from the virus, and there was this very devastating story from Wuhan. Um, uh, a, a director and a manager of, a, of the Wuhan Film Studio, he and his family died. Wow. The whole family, except his son, reportedly, who's been studying in the UK. So there are so many tragedies that have been happening every day, I think, in, in, in mainland China. And, um, and people don't um, necessarily know about it because information does not get circulated um, as freely and as mm -hmm. easily as the rest of the world. But for us over here in Hong Kong, we're just we're just being extremely cautious. I think the, the idea of it is more scary probably than the than the actual impact. Mm -hmm. This is still a very early stage. We do not know exactly the extent of the health damage that it can cause. I mean Yes, some people have died, but then what about those people who have recovered and how have they been impacted by the virus? This is still a very early stage and very, there's very little that we know. And the fear of the unknown is always the scariest. I wonder what has happened to these protests that were such a focus of life in Hong Kong for, for more than half of a year. What happened to them since... The, the outbreak of the virus? Mm -hmm. Since January, or towards the end of January, that was also um, around the time of um, the Lunar New Year. I think actions in the streets have died down a little bit since then. So you don't see that many um, large-scale protests that people might have come across last year, partly because of the virus and partly because I think People need a bit, of, a bit of time to recover. And because of society's attentions or focusing on the virus and how we should deal with it, whether to seal the border, I mean, that has been a huge debate. There have been small-scale protests in different parts of the town, much more localised and a, a neighbourhood type of protest. But then they have a different agenda. People have been worried about the setting up of quarantine centres around their residential block. But there was a relatively large-scale protest that happened during um, the last weekend of February. Hmm. So tear gas was back in the street. <laughs> and so it felt surreal that um, at these times, people are still 
going out to protest. I thought it felt like normal. I mean, it shouldn't feel like normal, but I feel the that... The protests felt like normal. Yeah, the protests felt like normal. And I mean, it, they, those are terrible images, believe me. But then it felt like, oh, it's back. It had that kind of feeling, to me at least. It might be a terrible thing to say. I, I, I don't know, it's a, maybe it's the kind of chaos that we have grown accustomed to. It's a kind of normality, in a way, as compared to this coronavirus, which is still relatively new. And its impact now is on a global scale. Last time we spoke, you, you said that you thought that these protests and, and the democratic movement in Hong Kong was going to give rise to great artworks and really be the electrical power that fuel a kind of a renaissance. Do you think that there is a chance that the coronavirus and the experience that people are going through is going to also give rise to, to great art? I think it might be a little difficult to generalize that, but I think any kind of traumatic experiences would inspire people to reflect, to take a look at their insights, their emotional turmoil, how they have been react to this kind of situation. And um, I think particularly uh, during life-threatening situations. The impact of the coronavirus is unprecedented. So I, I am sure that those who feel the emotional trauma during these times, they will, will be particularly eager to find a channel to... Um, to reflect through the making of art. And we have seen these kind of works emerging in mainland China. A lot of visual diaries. I think visual diaries is one of the ways that artists can quickly do. They're not necessarily like properly made artworks yet, but it's a form of record that they can keep during these times. And it's also a very important evidence in a way, for people in the future, when they look back at this particularly traumatic times. Visual diaries, there can be photography. There's a lot of photography work coming out from mainland China these days. Illustrations, sometimes they can be abstract, or you're talking about certain incidents without directly referring to the incidents or their actual experiences. So all their stories um, told in a metaphorical way. I think we will see a lot of this kind of important visual records of the time coming up. And how these works will evolve, we'll still have to wait and see. I hope that there will be a channel um, for these kind of visual records to be published or to be shown um, properly in future. And you recently reported that there has been a drive towards innovation and creative thinking where other people in the art industry who have been restricted from these large gathering events and from doing business as usual have started finding new avenues to keep their businesses afloat. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the innovative ways that people in the art industry are keeping things going? I think this is more prominent in mainland China because they have the um, almighty WeChat. <laughs> and uh, 
so they have these um, like galleries where they utilize their own channel on the app to announce their news and up to showcase exhibitions or at least to keep people informed. So I think that one interesting thing is they keep the channels active. They keep the content alive on WeChat, which is great because people are stuck at home. So this is a very good time to push the art content to. People who will actually have the time to sit at home and <laughs> and read and study the content,、uh, or at least the, the pictures and the text from past exhibitions. Wasn't there a directive given by the government for museums to put on virtual shows?、Uh, the directives for.、Um, They're more for the on the business side of the art business, more for the auctions. There have been discussions and directives coming out from the various auctioneers associations across China to explore the online sales platform. Some bigger auction houses in China have the resources to develop an online sales platform, and they've been up and running. But there were some smaller auction houses; they did not really have that. And so now is an important time to show people. That it's important to have all these platforms equipped, so that when when things are unpredictable, you still have another option. When it, when it comes to sales,、uh, now you can't sell face to face, but you can sell online. And as we're speaking, there've been a number of charity auctions going on. Like these few days, there's a How Art Museum in in Shanghai. So they've been doing a charity auction、um, to raise funds for those who've been affected、um, by the virus. And、um, coming up, there's a、uh, China Guardian、uh, online auction as well, also to raise funds for those who've been affected by the virus. I think these are new, interesting changes that to show how people adapt. To an extreme situation like that, and in Hong Kong, there's a local media. They just launched a virtual art experience. You can still go to see shows, but on your phone. It was like a virtual visit. Whenever there's a crisis, I think there there are always new、um, opportunities, new ideas, or even like inventions. It's a way to adapt. Cliche as it might sound, and it, it is an interesting time to see how people stay vigilant and be creative and adapt to situations like these. I think the cliche is that necessity is the mother of invention, and <laughs> although we've seen this trajectory towards more virtual expressions of art and more digital commerce for a long time. The art world has been kind of slow in adopting, and what seems to be happening is that the situation created by the coronavirus, where there is so much of a removal from social gatherings, has accelerated this trajectory. And one way that we're seeing this very concretely is that Art Basel rushing to launch a virtual art fair that's going to be. A whole system of online viewing rooms where dealers are going to be able to showcase ten artworks at a time to first a wave of VIPs who are going to come in, and then after that, 
a wave of ordinary fairgoers, just like in any physical fair. What is better than nothing, at least at this sort of platform, to um, showcase the works? And because it's something new, so definitely generates uh, a certain amount of curiosity. I think people definitely check it out. But I think at the end of the day, the interesting thing about art is that you need that kind of face-to-face interpersonal connection and interaction. Because art is about people and it's about ideas. And what makes art so fascinating is that it can draw you know, people from across the world, from different cultures, and get them together to talk about something, and to share ideas, to share emotions. So I think because of the nature of art, I, I can see why that kind of digital revolution has been taking such a slow pace in the art world. Um, Because people need to see each other, like face to face, and need to see an artwork face to face. I mean, because of the the situation, how how things are going on like these days, and it's inevitable that you have to take a different path and experiment something new. But then the people element cannot be removed. So there will be new opportunities coming up and people are forced to look at new opportunities in the digital realm. But in reality, I think people still desire that human contact. I wonder now that you're talking about your kind of real excitement to return to the normal of the protests, how is this kind of incredibly destabilizing period of time going to impact Hong Kong going forward as this mercantile capital? Do you think that it is going to bounce back entirely and reclaim its position as the kind of the the pole star of the region's art market? I think the protest impact on the economy was far smaller compared to that brought by the coronavirus. I mean, even during the protests, People still go out to restaurants and eat. You can still go to an art gallery, still go to a museum. People will still be out spending money. But now you see the real the real impact because people are not spending money in general. Now we see uh, the beginning of rounds of layoffs or uh, making people to take non-pay leave. Restaurants are shutting down. I mean, this is a real impact. So comparatively speaking, the impact from the protests have been very minimal compared to uh, to what we're experiencing now. And it could take a long time to recover in terms of the economy. I mean, just by looking back at what happened, Hong Kong was severely hit by SARS and it was the lowest point of the property market at the time. We don't know yet, still a bit too early, but will Hong Kong bounce back? I think it will eventually, as long as the system stays a tax-free environment, uh, rule of law, um, freedom. As long as these these elements in, in the system, there are these good elements, um, good governance, uh, they're in place. I think it will bounce back eventually, but how long will it take? I don't know. Well, Vivian, I hope that the next time that you come on the podcast, we're going to have something a little bit more upbeat and optimistic to talk about. And I certainly hope that you and yours Stay safe. So that's it for this week's episode of The Art Angle. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. The Art Angle is produced by Tim Schneider and Caroline Goldstein and edited by Nick Long. Thanks for listening and see you next week.